Believe it or not, there was a time when if there was a major boxing event, uh, you could actually watch it on TV for free. You didn't have to do pay-per-view or anything like that. Now, granted, we only had three channels, but one of those channels had that and didn't have to do anything special to watch it. I was a freshman in college. It was May 11th, 1977, and Ken Norton was fighting Dwayne Bobbick, and there was a lot of hype about this particular fight. So a bunch of us decided that even though we weren't particularly big boxing fans, we would just get together and we'd watch this fight. So several of us gathered in a friend's dorm room. Right before the fight was getting ready to start, I decided I needed a Coke. So I thought, well, I can run down the hall to the Coke machine, get me a Coke, and get back before this starts. Or if I miss the first part of it, you know, it's no big deal. So I run down, I get my Coke, I'm coming back. I turn the corner, and I look, and all of my friends are coming out of the room. And I said, where are you going? They said, the fight's over. I said, what do you mean the fight's over with? Can't be over with. Yeah, man, it's over with. And they start walking away. Well, I thought they were messing with me. So I go running in, and lo and behold, it's at a commercial. <laughs> so no proof, no proof. But I didn't believe it. I thought, there's no way this is over with. Well, came back on, and I think it might have even been Howard Cosell there telling me that in 58 seconds, uh, Ken Norton had scored a technical knockout over Dwayne Bobbick. That was it. It was over with. Now, I did get my proof via replay, but I sure didn't believe it at the time. Now, I have a question for you this morning. What causes you to believe in anything? Is it maybe just you just take everything at face value? Uh, do you have to have proof? Uh, do you have to have a lot of evidence? What is it that causes you to believe? As it relates to our faith, John's gospel begins with the great words concerning the incarnation. And it says in John 1:14, the word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, We have seen his glory. We have laid eyes on him. We have seen the one and only who came from the Father, Jesus Christ. But when he says that we have seen it, what John is not saying is that everyone who laid eyes on Jesus saw his glory. It didn't happen that way. Some believed, some didn't believe. And what we've been doing during this Christmas season is learning not just how to see with our physical eyes, but how to see with our spiritual eyes. And we've been looking at people uh, throughout the, the Bible, John's Gospel in particular, uh, who believed. And we've been looking particularly at what causes them to believe. You know, during this Christmas season, we have heard about Jesus, we've sung about Jesus, we've seen in the portrayals of, of, of Jesus, and, and so some of us have maybe believed for the first time during this Christmas season, but some of us can't quite bring ourselves to believe. So what we want to do in this last Sunday in December, just two days after Christmas, we don't want to leave this year behind without one more opportunity to look at an example from Scripture of what causes someone to believe. And maybe this would be your opportunity to come to believe also, or if you are a believer, to strengthen your faith. What we're going to do, the story we're going to look at today is kind of interesting because we're going to go all the way to the end of John's gospel, all the way to chapter 20. A lot of people believe that chapter 20 is the actual last chapter, that John added chapter 21 later is kind of an appendix. 
But John's, when we get to John 20, Jesus is risen from the dead. So this is a big jump here in just a few days from Jesus' birth to Jesus rising from the dead. But Jesus miraculously appears to his disciples who have gathered in a locked room because they're afraid of the Jews. And Jesus appears in their midst. But somebody went to the Coke machine and missed it. John chapter 20, beginning verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas, we look down on Thomas as believers in Christ. We look down on him and we say, how in the world could Thomas have doubted? How could he have doubted that Jesus rose from the dead? We've called him the Doubting Thomas. Not only is it a name that stuck with him, but everybody that doubts throughout the centuries has been labeled as a Doubting Thomas. But in John's gospel, Thomas is presented in a whole other way. Thomas is someone who's more of a realist. And what Thomas does is he evaluates the information that he has and comes to the best conclusion that he knows how to make. Just a couple of examples. In chapter 11 of John's gospel, Jesus is contemplating returning to Judea. But the disciples realize that, well, wait a minute. They wanted to kill you the last time you were there. So do you really want to go back there? And Thomas evaluates the information, but then comes to the great, brave decision. He says, let's go. Let's go that we may die with him. That was Thomas, the one that we kind of give a bad rap to. Also in chapter 14, he was honest. Jesus, that beautiful passage where he says that, that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That where I am, there you may also be. And you know the, the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas speaks up and he's honest. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? That's not doubt. He's just being honest. He's saying, Lord, I, I need some more information here. In reality, Thomas is a lot like you and me. Really, Thomas is capable of great possibilities as well as great hesitations in faith. Just like you and me. Those of us who are believers, we have great possibilities, but we also sometimes just can't quite grasp it. Sometimes just we hesitate when it comes to the faith. Well, Look at Thomas. Maybe we try to read maybe a little much into why he doubted. I mean, I, there's sermons, and I probably preached one or two of them, of why he doubted and, and trying to figure out why Thomas doubted. Really, I think what we need to do is, is not to dwell on why he doubted, but look at what causes him to believe. 
What causes Thomas, the doubter, to believe? Well, Thomas, before he will believe what the disciples have told him, he says to them, here, here are my conditions. Here, here are my conditions of whether or not I'm going to believe what I saw. He said, I need physical proof. And we're all going, come on, Thomas. Hey, that would be you and me, okay? We'd be doing the same thing. Thomas says, I need physical proof. What Thomas wants to do is Thomas wants something that's going to connect this crucified Christ that he knows to the one they claim showed up. So Thomas says this. He says, look, here are my conditions. I want to put my finger in the nail print in his hands, and I want to put my hand where the spear pierced him in the side. If I can do that, Thomas says, I will believe. Well, what adds some force to what Thomas says is the, the interpretation uh, in Scripture says, Thomas says, I want to put. Well, that's kind of a little delicate interpretation. What Thomas says, literally, is I want to shove my finger into the nail prints in his hands. I want to shove my hand into his side. It's a very dramatic, demonstrative thing. He wants literal proof that Jesus has risen from the dead. Those are his conditions. So later, everyone is together again. This time, Thomas is there with them. And Jesus appears again, even though the doors are locked. And Jesus doesn't wait for Thomas to say anything. Jesus looks right at him, and Jesus says, Okay, Thomas, hey, you wanted, you wanted the proof? Come here. You can put your fingers in my, the prints of the nails in my hands, and you can put your hand in my side. Thomas, here I am. I want to give you the proof that you need. Well, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. So what causes Thomas to believe? What causes Thomas to make this great confession? really a cool confession because if you think about it at the beginning of John's gospel John writes the word was God at the end of John's gospel Thomas makes this great claim my Lord and my God but what causes him to do that what causes Thomas to believe and you might say well that's simple Jesus appeared to him Jesus was there Jesus offered him the proof that he needed but think about it for a minute Thomas wanted to touch him, but the scripture says, doesn't say that he did. It doesn't say that he didn't, but it doesn't say that he did. But Jesus says, you believe because you have seen me, not because you have touched me. So basically what causes Thomas to believe is not that he received the proof that he asked for, but rather that's the very fact that Jesus presented himself in a way that was this overwhelming indisputable evidence that Jesus indeed was risen from the dead. It wasn't proof. He didn't need to touch him because he had this overwhelming evidence that it really was the risen Lord. But John doesn't conclude his gospel with just that part of it, with just that great confession. 
Because John is writing his gospel to a community of unbelievers. He's writing to people who don't believe. He's writing to people who were not eyewitnesses. He's writing to people in a time where a lot of the eyewitnesses either are dead or are dying. So John wants to use this last part of his gospel to really speak to those people. And he says, blessed are those, Jesus says this, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That would be us. Now, Revelation 1-7 does say that when Jesus comes again, every eye will see him, but that's not necessarily going to be good news for everyone. So John wants to put it in a way that it's good news for us, that we can know the good news of Jesus Christ. And he wants us to believe. So what is it? What is it that would cause those of us today that haven't seen physically Jesus to believe? Well, it's not based on sight or touch. But rather, it's based on the message of the witnesses, which is what John's gospel is. That's what we have today. We have the message of the witnesses to Jesus Christ. That's the testimony that should cause us to believe. In fact, John closes his gospel in verse 30 and 31. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John states his purpose for writing his gospel. In fact, this could be the purpose for the entire Bible, that you may believe, and that by believing you might have life. All the evidence that we need to become a believer in Jesus Christ is found in Scripture. We look all other sorts of different places. But everything we need, that's what John is saying. Everything you need is right here. Not just in the Bible, but, but specifically in this one book. In this one epistle. I mean, not epistle, it's one gospel written by John. He says everything you need to believe is right here. And the reason he says that is that God is not trying to hide who he is. God is not trying to make it difficult for you to find. God wants to present convincing evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. So John writes it, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's there. It's there. That's the evidence that you need. Jesus says through Scripture, through John's Gospel, here I am. Here's the evidence that I hope will cause you to believe now, throughout this whole series, we've been looking at what causes other people to believe. We looked at Nathaniel, we looked at the woman at the well, we looked at the Samaritans, we looked at, at Thomas uh, today. So I, I thought maybe as we close this series that maybe I just ought to tell you what causes me to believe. We've looked at all these other people. So why not today, why don't I tell you what causes me to believe? I mean, is it just blind belief that I believe anything I read? No. Well, then is it proof or evidence that, that causes me to believe? Well, actually, what causes me to believe is that throughout the Bible, 
Jesus Christ proves himself through convincing evidence. Jesus Christ proves himself through convincing evidence. We live in a world that wants you to believe a lie. And that lie is that there are many ways to God. They will tell you that pick a faith, any faith, any religion, they'll all lead to God. We just all need to get along. All same God, all lead there. We just pick which path we want to take to get there. That sounds pretty good, except Jesus says that he is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus claims to be the only way to God. So what in the world are we to believe? This religion claims that it's right. This religion claims that it's right. Christians believe that Jesus is the way. So what gives us that right? What causes me to believe that? Well, for one thing, I look at Old Testament prophecies. You look in the Bible, there are all sorts of Old Testament prophecies that talk about the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer. Over 300 of them. All of them. All of them. Fulfilled in Jesus Christ. All of them. You know what the odds of that are? I don't know a number, but I can tell you they're pretty high. Like near impossible. I look at his miracles. I look at his miracles. I see that he healed people who were sick. That he raised people who were dead. They gave sight to blind people. I look at all these miracles and I hear the testimony of the witnesses. I read it in in the Gospels and I hear the testimony. There were people who saw these miracles. And when somebody says to me, well, yeah, but, but they were all written by people who believed in him anyway. Listen, these miracles were seen and believed by people who didn't believe who Jesus was, who were Jesus' enemies. Jesus' enemies saw and testified and confessed that these were actual miracles. They didn't deny them. They just denied who Jesus was. But these miracles were not just seen by 12 people that followed Jesus around. These miracles had all sorts of witnesses. And then you just think of the witnesses just to Jesus' life, his example, the fact that he didn't sin. All of those seen by witnesses. But there's some other things. You know, every other religion of the world is happy to point out to me that I am a sinner. Every other religion is happy to point out that I am a sinner. But guess what? The Bible points out that I am a sinner too. The Bible tells me that I am a sinner. The Bible tells me that I am separated from God, just like every other religion. But there's a difference. The the Bible doesn't just tell me that I'm a sinner. The Bible offers me a remedy for my sin. No other religion in the world does that. Every other religion, you've got to go out and try to be good enough. 
You've got to fix the sin problem yourself. You've got to go and try to earn your salvation. Jesus Christ came as the remedy for my sin. When I was powerless to do anything about my condition, Jesus Christ came and became sin for me and died on the cross. And he rose again that I could have eternal life. I don't have to earn my salvation. Jesus Christ has taken care of that for me if I will accept him and believe in him. Another thing is I can have assurance of my salvation. I can know right now. In fact, I know today when I die, I'm going to heaven. I know that for a fact. I'm assured of that. Every other religion, you just got to keep working and hope that when you die and they put everything on the scales, that it tips in your favor. Through Jesus Christ, I can have the assurance. My salvation is not anchored in what I have to do. My salvation is anchored in what Jesus has already done for me. And finally, Christianity is the only religion with a living Savior. Mohammed, Buddha, Gandhi all died and are still dead. Jesus also died, but Jesus rose from the dead. And there are witnesses to that. And Jesus rose and went to heaven, ascended into heaven, and he said he's coming back. There's a wonderful Christmas song. It's called Once in Royal David City, and it talks about Jesus coming in the form of a baby and coming in a manger. But it, the last part of that song talks about how we are going to physically see him with our eyes again. And it says, not in that poor lowly stable with the oxen standing by. We will see him, but in heaven, set at God's right hand on high. Where like stars, his children crowned all in white shall wait around. All that is possible because I serve a living Savior. There is no other faith that can make that claim. What that gives me by believing in Jesus Christ is it gives me a living hope. A hope for today. A hope for tomorrow. A hope for eternity. Because of that living Savior. You can have that as well. The offer is available to all. If you will believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He was born of a virgin, that He came to this earth, God in the flesh, fully God and fully man. He came here, the perfect, sinless Jesus Christ, and became sin for us on the cross. In our place, He literally became sin for us and died. He became the sacrifice that we couldn't offer. And then he rose again. 
to give us an offer of eternal life. I believe that with all my heart. What causes me to believe? (laughs) It lives inside of me every day. And it can live in you too, if you'll believe.